it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Oh, Right, I'm in genuine pain. <laughs> Put your hand off the microphone. Sorry, I'm in genuine. I'm sorry, I'm in genuine pain. Oh, okay. Oh god. Okay, that's. Whew. Wow. Okay. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Mr. Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very good indeed. Yeah. Almost said hydrated. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to have to bleep it out. <laughs> well, the temperature was warm yesterday and now it's got very cold again. I think it's just snowed or it's about to snow. It was lovely yesterday. It kind of went through phases, didn't it? Um, even mm-hmm. when we saw each other on the Saturday, it kind of... Sunday. I was at Sunday. My goodness. You know, it's so wild. My sense of time. It's like the quantum. It was like I had a quantum weekend. Time doesn't exist, man. Time. Time is a flat circle. (laughs) The only reason I do know what day it is, is because when when we do podcasts, basically. That's true. But then even then it could be, this could be a Thursday. Could be. Could be. I mean, what is time? Um, So yeah, I'm good. Did I ask how you were? How are you doing? You did. Yeah. I said, I'm fine. Thanks. Good. good. See, there we go. Like I'm completely, this podcast is completely quantum. Backwards is forwards. So... (laughs) One thing I'm sure about is that we will discuss football. So let's maybe start with admin and then football. A couple of pieces coming up on the ringer over the next week or two. Yeah. Well, a few actually. A couple yes. from me, a couple from you, or just one from you? A uh, couple, there'll be a couple from us. So one, two on football, but then also a piece for me, which is not going to be football related on the ring website somewhere. Well, so look well, look at that. I know. There's an Easter egg for what you. What a belated Easter egg. Listen, the ringer extended universe. For those who are interested in the wider aspects of the ringer i will be appearing there as well oh my god how terrifying uh, <laughs> <laughs> ego the living planet that's a good thing about me so it's easter all year round chocolate wise 
<laughs> it is, it is. Another book yeah. out this week. One of them's out this week. You're in The Guardian. Oh man, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, my yeah, my yeah. copy arrived. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to save it for when we have some uh, time off. Oh, you got one cent? Oh, legend. Yeah, okay. of course I bought it. Oh, make me emotional. I had that, I had that shit on pre-order. Oh man. Uh, other admin, yeah, go to, obviously, checktheringer.com. Checktheringer.com forward slash soccer. Keep an eye out for the, the football pieces. Uh, our Stadio Outros playlist is updated every single episode with the music that we play out on. If you don't bother hanging around until the end of the podcast because you just can't take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, how do you think I feel? Yeah. Having to yeah, live it. True. Yeah, you have to live it. Exactly. I can't just duck out, man. I can't just duck out and check back in later. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. it. I have to... <sighs> oh, God. It's like being in a Jose Marino midfield. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Please. I get more creative freedom than a number of Mourinho midfielders. Anyway, yeah, we, we, we put our whatever tune we play out on into the playlist. Mm. Newest one at the top. So make sure you search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. And if you want to support the music that you like on there, a lot of it's available to buy as well. So if, even if you have Spotify and you want to go and support the artist a little bit further, we recommend Stadio.Football, our website. Yep. It's back up. Looking um, lovely. We're slowly reformatting the old pieces and putting them back up. So yeah, you can also get in touch via there and you can sign up for our newsletter, which we haven't launched yet, but we will do soon. Just so you can launch up to the idea of it. There's nothing better than aspiration. So even if you don't have a newsletter immediately, you can be part of the community expecting a newsletter and that's wonderful in itself. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the admin. Hope everyone's doing okay, staying safe, staying well. Thanks to everyone who sent us emails over the last couple of weeks with chaotic 11s and stuff like that. We're going to do, do a follow-up episode. So don't worry, we've, we've seen them all. We just haven't been able to get back. We can't reply to all of the chaotic 11s, but we have seen them. So <laughs> sorry, I, mean, I can't deal with that much chaos. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you know, do you know, do you know, I shouldn't be laughing, but for some, I don't know it's like a stress-related trigger, but the word chaotic makes me laugh. It makes me feel chaotic. It's because you are chaotic. <laughs> I feel seen. You're the most chaotic person I know. <laughs> well, where were we? Oh, yeah, emails. And we will get back to the rest of the emails. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. As we, we get back to, get back yeah, to as yeah. many as we possibly can. It takes us a while. But um, yeah, thanks to everyone who sent in the emails. Right. Today, we're going to talk El Clasico. We're going to talk La Liga title race a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll touch on the Premier League and we'll touch on the Bundesliga a little bit. And also, Challenge Cups back. NWSL Challenge Cups back. I think that's everything. Yeah, then we'll bounce. Yeah. Yeah. There's some big games coming up in Serie A. So we'll probably focus on. Serie A more when those games come around but yeah I mean it, all of the top teams won pretty much this weekend not without a little bit of a challenge but they did it they all came through yeah so yeah it's kind of as you were and it's also as you were in France yeah Lille, PSG and Monaco all winning as did Lyon so the top four is as it is so let's go to Spain let's do it as the Spanish football podcast says Musa we have league we have league, very and much boy, so. boy, do we have league. We do. Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 1. What a game and what a kind of, um, the headline for me really is, it felt like this was, this result reflected exactly where both clubs were in their kind of growth, evolution, like mastery of their squad. Does that make sense? Like all the things that happened to Real, all the things that they did, they exploited exactly the mismatches I thought they'd exploit. Does that make sense? Mm. Because, because the, um, both teams are under construction to an extent, but I think that maybe it's fair to say that Rail are further along integrating those pieces successfully into what they're trying to do over the next two, three years than Barca. Like people like Militao have come in and stepped up. 
Nacho is just a great underrated stand-in. Vasquez, you can put him anywhere. Mendy's just been balling out. Mm. Real just have a more functional, they've got a stronger scaffolding than Barcelona, if that makes sense. Um, and the mismatches that exist for Real, they exploited every mismatch in the most terrifying fashion. Like, so specifically, the, the mismatch of Vinicius against Mingueza, just because of pace, no, no judgment, just the speed, and the mismatch of Benzema and Araujo in terms of presence. And they're not huge mismatches in isolation, but when you, it's one of those things when you add it up across the team, the course of 90 minutes, it becomes decisive. And that's, I think, that's what it did for Barca, I think, in the end, the mismatches. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, mismatches, yeah. And I think that was actually because of Koeman's tactics and team selection. I think he got it very wrong. That's actually. interesting. I think okay, he got what, it really you, wrong. I didn't really yeah. agree with the kind of going with the three mm. Mm. because I think it just completely negated any real fluidity up top for Barca. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With Dembele as a nine, I can see kind of what he's trying to do there, but I don't think Dembele is, like at the moment, for example, in terms of where he is in his evolution as a player, Dembele is nowhere near a lethal enough finisher no, to no. be leading the line for Barcelona in a Clasico. And that's, not a, and that's not me hating on Dembele, it's just he shouldn't be put in that position to then cop the flack for being the number nine for Barcelona in a Clasico. Yeah. So I think Kuman got that very, very wrong. I'm interested to see, I mean, obviously PK was injured and wouldn't have squeezed him in because they rushed him back recently for the PSG game, mm. which was way too soon for him. I mean, Barca don't have a huge amount to play for now apart from the, class, uh, from the, apart from the Copa. Copper. Yeah. So yeah. I can understand him, like them holding him back for that. I'm really interested to see what's going on with him, TT at the moment. But, Saying that, I thought that actually Mingueza was in yeah, terms yeah, of he showed up, he showed out, yeah. I don't really think the goals are his fault. No, uh, well, the second goal was pure fluke, like a double deflection on a free kick. If we're going to nitpick, maybe Des shouldn't have turned away. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. If we're going to nitpick, because he didn't hit that hard, yeah. I think Arroyo could have got a bit tighter. Tighter, yeah, I agree. Could have got tighter. I think um, I'm, I'm not going to blame Mingueza for the speed because Vinicius will do that to anyone. I think that Modric had a little bit too much freedom again. Mm. Bet, I mean. Barca got tighter on him than Liverpool did, but he still had a bit too much freedom of movement. Mm. It's, it's I, not I like think, you to hate on well, freedom you know. of movement. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, tight to change, right? Not to say as you get <laughs> older, you get more conservative. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks older in my case. Um, for me, I would, I, would still, I would still say Vinicius was the, was the stand-up player to me just because he was decisive, um, mm. even, even when out of possession, because knowing that he had that speed it meant that they couldn't be on the front foot. Because I mean, Gez is quite enterprising, but mm. knowing that that guy can blow past you, mm. does that make sense? So he, was a, he was maybe not the best player, but the most decisive factor, I feel. This is the thing why I question whether the three worked, because if you tucked them in as a four... Yes. Dest helps Dest you. Helps Dest helps you. Pace-wise. Bingo. Also, it would have caused Real Madrid a lot of problems going back towards their own goal, because their midfield three is not quick. No. No. I just wonder whether actually playing Griezmann as a nine in this game and just letting Messi and Dembele, and Dembele either spaces either side and gaps. Uh, yeah, and Pedri just like find the holes in midfield with, with Frankie Diong, I think would have probably caused Real Madrid a few more problems. Yes. Dest will get forward and so will Alba. Yes. But they've both got enough of an engine to play in a four and also c contribute in an attacking sense because so, so often in that Barca midfield, 
Frankie de Jong or Sergio Busquets will drop a little bit between the centre-backs when they've got the ball. So Koeman hasn't really done that great in Clasicos. No. And Messi's not really done much under Koeman in no. a Clasico yet. I mean, I know there's only been two. They lost the last one at home, 3-1. Getting done on the double by Real Madrid in Clasicos in one season without really laying much of a glove on them, even though this game was 2-1. The damning indictment with the last game was that actually they began really well and they weren't decisive with the finishing. Yeah. And this, the, this is the real problem for them. They're not ruthless. And it, it sounds like a small trite point, but there was a thing that got tweeted out by the Spanish football podcast saying that Angelo Correa for Atletico Madrid has the worst conversion rate of clear chances. And it's this similar thing. Like Atleti has struggled to have a group of consistent finishers, which puts too much pressure on like one or two forwards. And the same thing's happening for Barca. Mm. It's, I know it's a, it sounds like a small thing, but they just don't have players that can put it away. And the injury of Ansu Fati, Ansu Fati yeah. was a huge, not, it's, it's wild that an 18-year-old basically is such a huge factor in a game he doesn't even play in. But Ansu Fati's absence loomed over this fixture, especially in these conditions. Like as it got wetter, mm. you saw the gap, the gap between slow players and quick players just goes exponentially. And it's basically like chasing Lewis Hamilton in the wet. You know, you're not going to catch... And Ansu Fati in these conditions would have been devastating. Mm. And, he's, and, he's, and, he's a, and he's a really good finisher. And I think Dembele coming from wide could have been yeah, as well. I agree. It takes the pressure off him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Geza got a goal back for Barca. Yeah. A good goal, actually. There was quite a, you know what I love about him? There's quite a kind of child of Puyol type energy to him. Like yeah. as in terms of, there's a bravery, there's a fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't get despondent. Like, you know, he comes back and he, he, he doesn't get daunted. And it's a thing, it's a small, it's a small intangible quality, but it's, I noticed that he's, he's really brave actually. Yeah. I really like him as a player. Yeah, really like him. Yeah. And I've got, he's got a big, him and Rayo, I think I've got both. They've both got like a really good potential, strong future at Barcelona. I mean, if you think they're only 21 and 22, mm, yeah. they don't look scared to be in that side. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it can be quite an intimidating place to be without PK there. Yes, it's very, very hard to. I mean, Barcelona should not be in a position when they are relying on two centre backs who are twenty one and twenty, uh, twenty one and twenty two at the moment to lead the bat line really, because Longley, as much as he's experienced and he is a very, very experienced player, Clement Longley, he's not the commanding centre back at Barcelona over Puyol over PK over Mascherano no you know, that's, he's just yeah, not yeah. as well as being a massive victory for Real Madrid in terms of the league title race it's also a massive game for them because Barcelona have to play Atleti yeah because the yeah. way that Atleti are playing at the moment you'd be very brave to, to kind of back them for the league yeah back them to beat Barca even after Barca yeah. have had a pretty disappointing Clasico and then it kind of just lands in Real Madrid's lap. I just don't know where the goals are coming from with Atleti. There's been yeah. the case for the last like few... Well, they've really missed Suarez. Like, missing yeah, Suarez is such a huge blow and for now them. Felix and now Joao Felix. You know, Betis isn't a, an easy place to go for Atleti. We'll touch on them quickly now while, while we're talking about it. And they really could have won the game. Yeah. The Joao Felix injury is big, especially without Suarez. But their goal, for example, Carrasco's goal came from a really beautiful flowing move. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, so yeah. This early, the, very early. The thing too. again yeah. about Aleti is like they show these signs of being really beautifully fluid in an attacking sense, but then 
kind of freeze. It's like a car stuck in third gear. Yeah, it's something it really strange is, yeah. about. Yeah, you know, you know. Now all lies on the Barcelona Atleti game because that is absolutely gigantic. And it never had to be this way for either Barca or um, Atleti. Neither of them. They both did things earlier in the season that could have made their path forward easier than this. It didn't have to be this difficult for either of them. Uh, I disagree slightly with the Barca thing because Barca had such a dreadful start to the season that they've been clawing their way back ever since. And I actually think the fact that they were in a shout to win the league, mm. bearing in mind what they did in their first five, five, six games of the season when they fell so far behind. The trash fire. Looking at where they are now and where they were at the beginning yeah. of the season, especially coming off the back of that summer with Messi, the whole Messi thing and Bartomeu still being there and it was, a, it was bleak. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Well, let's see this, isn't it? Two points back off Atleti. I mean, they win that. It's all to, yeah, it's, all, it's, still, it's all in Rails court at this point, isn't it? That's the thing. Pin their ears back and go for the league, I, I say. I think Barca just pin their ears back and go for it. Yeah. Because you never know, Real Madrid might, because Real Madrid don't score a lot of goals. And they're missing Vasquez now, which is actually an underrated big loss for them. Mm. Because it sounds like a small thing, because Vasquez doesn't really get his props. I want to put some in there now. Like, this is a guy that Zidane was trusting over James Rodriguez in the Champions League. Mm. And now he's playing right back. His mentality, this is a guy that basically slots and does all this incredible stuff for the team. And he holds together teams that are maybe like, you know, defences that are less confident. Um, he's part of it. Provided the assist for the opening goal. Like he is a wonderful player. He's got a kind of... Very underappreciated, I think. Yeah, he's a kind of like, like a spiritual heir to kind of like Luis Enrique really in that sense. Mm. You will just, you can plug in and play. And actually, it's kind of a Sergio Roberto type thing. I'll basically just play where I'm needed. Mm. His absence, I think, could be... I think maybe Real fans will look at that and be like, oh, he really steadied us at a crucial point in the season. Mm. Him being out to the end of the season is a bad loss for us. So I wonder, how, I wonder what factor that is. Yeah, I mean, Atleti have Eibar at home next week. Real Madrid go to Getafe. You can see them dropping points for the rest of the season. Yeah. They then go to Cadiz, which they obviously lost to Cadiz earlier on in the season. Mm. Cadiz are unbeaten against Barcelona and Real Madrid so far this season. Barcelona host Getafe. And then Real Madrid have Betis at home. Yeah, whereas Atletico go to Athletic. And then Barcelona host Granada, which is probably the easiest of three. So... These are, these are typical fixtures, yeah. Yeah, they aren't easy. Well, Bet- Betis gave Real a real chasing in that last fixture. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, Real Madrid also have Osasuna at home, who on paper you would expect them to win. However, Osasuna just walked away from Villarreal with a, with a 2-1 win on Here's the weekend. Here's a as well. I think Real Madrid have got one more catfish result in them in this season. Well, they, host, I'm not sure it's they be- also host Sevilla yeah. on the same weekend that Barcelona host Atleti. So I don't think the league is as cut and dry because... No, really not. No, there no. are loads of potential drop points, to be honest, for all three sides. Yeah. I don't know. How far is Sevilla back? Fancies <laughs> <laughs> a pop. Yeah. <laughs> Can they do it? Game in hand, nine points behind Atleti. They win that. They go six points behind Atleti. Well, you never know. <laughs> maybe, never know. Listen, maybe this year, the revenge of Lopetegui. If Sevilla won La Liga, no offence to any of those other teams you mentioned, but I would laugh a very long time. <laughs> Obviously, Barca have the Copa next. Copa final. Yeah. Yeah. It is on Saturday evening against Athletic. Spicy tie. Uh, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, shall we go to hashtag the greatest league in the world? Let's do it. I think we should begin with Leeds. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yep, yep. Down to 10 men, two goals from Stuart Dallas. One in the Master Beats Apprentice. One in the first minute of stoppage time at the end of the game to win the game for Leeds against Manchester City at the Etihad with, I think, the lowest possession that they've recorded all season. I think that the stats for, for Leeds this, for, for this game, I think, were their lowest of the season for possession, expected goals and shots. What was the percentage for them this, in the possession? They had 29% possession. They had two shots. Wow, because Leeds have been over 50% for almost every single game this season mm. and sometimes in 60. Mm-hmm. Amazing, really. Amazing. But it's, the weird thing is, it's for Leeds, it's like, Leeds already feels so much a part of the Premier League that this almost doesn't feel like a statement victory just mm. because they're so much part of it. It's almost like, it's more like a deserved victory because we know what Leeds are. Like, and they've taken four points off City in the league this year. Yeah. I really like the fact that they'll go away from this season with a win and a draw over, over this City team. Mm. A team that will end up like winning the league, I think, by, you know, comfortably. Mm. And the fact that Bielsa asked, it's just really nice because people have been looking at the history books and be able to say, Bielsa asked questions of all the elite teams this year. Yeah. And I love how he just sets the tone. Like, like we, t- we keep talking about the 4-3 Liverpool Leeds opening game of the season. It really set the tone, yeah. It did, it did, because you were like, it gave people an invitation to be like, we're going to go at these. I mean, and look how that turned out for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's so funny, isn't it? Looking at results early in the season in the context of what happens later. Mm. You know, looking at Aston Villa's 7-2 over Liverpool and looking now at like where the Villa are. Villa are just like now guaranteed entertainment, guaranteed to get good results now and again and like guaranteed to, and also like shout out for Aston Villa's youth team as well because I've been keeping an eye on them. Shout out to Chris Slade, good friend of mine who's always going, big Villa fans, check out this person. Aston Villa's youth prospects are so exciting mm. and they're only going to get more exciting when you see the passage they've made to the first team. Yeah. So yeah, like those early results, it's funny, in a chaotic season, it's funny how actually chaotic results have been a fairly interesting predictor of what was to come. That makes sense. I mean, Leeds above Villa now. Yeah. I think both goals were good. The second one, especially, I think the pressure from Stones to then put it through Edison's legs at that stage of the game, I think after being on the back foot for so long. Yeah was really impressive from Dallas. I, I, I didn't see any of the post-match interviews, but I think Pep will just be like one of those. The worst managers to lose to as well. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. probably like one of the only managers that he doesn't mind losing to, Pep. But to be honest, when you're that far out in front. And there's a part of Pep that quite likes just seeing Bielsa twice a season. He likes an excuse to hang out with him twice a season. Yeah, but also he wrestles a lot of players. Obviously, De Bruyne didn't make it off the bench. Gundogan started eight on changes, the bench. Eight changes. Yeah, I mean, and they've got the Champions League this week, which they're going to get tested in Dortmund. Yeah. You know, Dortmund have scored, I think, in every one of their last 30-odd games in all competitions. So Dortmund always scores. And they look full of goals at the moment. They do. And that's without Haaland scoring mm. in a few games. They've got some players that can do some nifty changes of direction, that Dortmund team. Yeah, and you saw how they stung PSG at home last season. Yeah. They've got the potential to do City and they only need, you know, a 1-0 will do it for them. Unfortunately, yeah. Dortmund also concede quite a lot at the moment. 
And Pep knows that. If he was going to plan the week out with the cushion they've got at the top of the league, if you were like, you, you lose one game this week, he picks that Leeds game every single time. Of course. That's not to do Leeds a disservice in terms of the weight of the victory because going down to 10 men on the stroke of half time, playing the entire second half against Manchester City on the back foot with 10 men and yep. to win the game. Unreal. It's unreal. Absolutely unreal. Massive props to Leeds. They're, they literally can't go down there. That's, that was actually that weekend meant that they mathem- mathematically are safe. One fourteen, drawn three, lost 14, goals for 49 against 49. Hey, balance. That's Musa. beautiful. Balance. balance. <laughs> They've lost the most games of any top half team. Followed closely by Arsenal. But I like teams that don't draw many games. I like them because it means they leave it all out there. Yeah. Like a team that doesn't draw games is trying to, a team that doesn't draw games is trying, you know, that kind of is high up in the league is trying to do something different. I, don't, I wonder if there have been as many draws in the Premier League this season because we're into, you know, the 30s. Most, 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 most sides have played 30 plus games now. Mm. Only two sides have got double figures for draws. That's interesting. In the entire league. That speaks to inequality, doesn't it? Potentially. Mm. Or it, it speaks to inequality or it could speak for Chaos. enterprising approach. Yeah. Chaos. Ooh. Now that, do you know what? That's a the fascinating metric. A fascinating metric has drawn games actually. Yeah. Great shout. I might get, I might have a little look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to Liverpool quick. Beat Villa. Um, it looked a little bit bleak for Liverpool going 1-0 down again at Anfield. Good resilience though. Massive resilience and a, a lovely, lovely winner from Trent Alexander-Arnold at the end of the game. Mm. Um, big goal that. I mean, he's come up with a big assist and a big goal in the, in the space of a week. Yeah. Good boost ahead of the Champions League because they're going to need, they're going to need it all against Real. Chelsea. Impressive. It's been a good week for Chelsea considering they obviously, it started very poorly or was that technically last week? It was technically last week, I suppose. Considering the narrative turned against Chelsea. Yeah. So, Not a lot of Ewok in this week. No, there is what there really wasn't. And you know, Palace, that's um an impressive win. 4-1 against Palace. And it looked good from the beginning. It looked fluid from the beginning. Yeah, I mean they were out what well, they were outside by after half an hour, yeah. three and a Kai Harvitz is Kai Harvitz is a nine. We don't know, but as a, a go, well, no, as a four, well, he's a, a ghostly presence, but the gaps that he finds, he found space really beautifully for for Chelsea, I thought, throughout mm. in this one. Um, His, he had that one chance. Um it didn't end up in a goal, but he kind of like controlled it over the top of the defender's head. It might be Cahill mm. and then volleyed it. And it was absolutely amazing. It was kind of like, you know, like Gaz- Gaza against Scotland. But oh, the Henry I, think, thing. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think yeah. it touched the ground. I think he did it straight on the volley, like the controlled volley. It was amazing. Um, I thought he was great this game. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that front three is fun. Pulisic, Harvitz, Mount. Like I said, I don't, I don't like Harvard as a nine or a false nine. But it's what he enables, isn't but, it? I think what he's not, it's not his peak position, but he brings out things in others, doesn't he? Yeah, but I think in a game like this, I think actually it worked pretty well because I don't think Palace could really cope with... I think, I think it was quite smart from, from Tuchel in, and maybe this is an example of where it can work because Coyote and Cahill are physical, big guys. And I think they will marshal or they have the ability to marshal or kind of deal with a more static presence. So someone like a Giroud. Mm, great shot. Yes, they like that challenge. Whereas this is amorphous. Yeah. And I think that, that what they cannot deal with is like three young'uns running riot around them. Must be like, must be like babysitting triplers. 
Yeah. Oh God. Oh my. Oh my God. That video was it that video that went viral a couple of years ago about like the triplets and the mother trying to take care of them. They were just like oozing everywhere. And the thing about Mount Harvard's and Pulisic, what I love about this is they all give you a different kind of problem. Mm. Mount's pressing is probably the best in the front three. Mm. Well, pretty much is the best in the front three, and all he passes well. Pulisic, free running dribbler who just basically attacks space. And then Harvard's just finds space everywhere and combines beautifully. And we, I said this before, Chelsea may not have a settled front three, but what they might have is a, a lot of settled configurations. So chemistry yeah, between, options. right, there's a rotation. So basically Tuchel can be like, that's the three that works beautifully for that. And we, we see it with Poch actually at um, PSG. You already see there's different attacking configurations that work for Poch. Mm. And I think that Chelsea, you know, it's just, it's just very good squad management, actually. Well, I mean, this is it. You've got the squad there to do it. Like, you, yeah. you don't need to play the same setup every single game no. because the, each opposition, def- I mean, this is basic. Each opposition yeah. does, presents different problems. And I think Tuchel's smart enough to know that. Um, I think the West Brom result stung them. Obviously, it massively stung them in the, in the race for the Champions League. But... Sometimes, I mean, we said it was that first weekend back from the international break. You almost have to, you know, you know we said this before, haven't we? You've, you can't, sometimes people in football are in danger of drawing, Diana Christine Crow, I always tweet, I always talk about, sometimes you're in danger of drawing the wrong conclusions from a bad result, mm. you know, and it's very, I mean, you know, look at the league when, you know, I've discussed this a thousand times, when United won the league, I think it was in 95, 96, and they lost 6-3 and 5-0 in successive, sorry, the 90s or 97. They lost six, three and five nil successive weeks. And they still won the league. Mm. Like sometimes you just got to write a bad result off. Mm. Not that you just, not that you don't care. Of course you care. And I want to lose five, two, but ultimately you're like, well, you know what? It happened. Let's just see what happens if we just move on. Yeah. And they've done that. They've done that really well. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Quick shout out for Arsenal who I tweeted after the game. I would gladly take seven more of those kind of games plus whatever games are in the Europa League for the rest of the season. Very, mm. very chill. Nice win that, yeah. Very routine. Nice goals. Lovely goals. Combination for the opener, by the way. Glorious. Well, the uh, the formation was really intriguing because it ended up kind of being a back four of Chambers holding Maori and Granit Xhaka. But then it became a kind of like a lopsided three, three, four? Four. Kind of. <laughs> It was really intriguing. There were a load of people just being like, what, what formation are Arsenal playing right now? Or like, this formation is a little bit like... Mm. Pep loved the 3-3-4. Three, three, yeah, I think basically the thing is, no matter how poor an Arsenal side are, Arsenal should be beating the bottom side of the league 3-0 away from home. Yes, yes, yes. And they did. And that's fine. And there was loads of positives and there was a couple of worrying things, soccer injury, stuff like that. But they've got players to come back in. And um, Aubameyang got a rest. Well, he was ill. Yeah but he got, a, he got a rest anyway. Missing Smith-Rowe, missing Odegaard, and still looking pretty decent, scoring some lovely goals as well. Um, yeah, all good for Isn't that a really lovely position to be in? Like Arsenal, missing two key creative players, but still getting a win as comfortable as they should in terms of the margin. That Literally you, can't remember you, when it happened. Can't remember. If you look at that, it, it's so funny. You look at like a few months ago, it's quite a few, there's quite a few teams have had that kind of evolution. You look at Rail, for example. Mm. Six months ago, Real now, Arsenal six months ago, Arsenal now. There's just so much more room for optimism in kind of both cases. Mm. It's quite, yeah. Quick shout for Newcastle because I think they're going to be okay. Mm. They're six points clear of Fulham with a game in hand. Bruce Ball, baby. 
Bruce Ball. <laughs> hard to say, I mean, hard to say at this point because you know this league has it's been. I mean, if it wild. goes down to three though or less, they play each other yeah. on the final day of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, Newcastle's fixtures are kind of extremely tricky and extremely not. So they have West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City next. Yikes! That's not nice. But then they have Sheffield United at home and Fulham away for the final two fixtures. Oh, I see. I, I don't think they're safe yet. I think that's still a bit nasty, Ryan. You reckon? Yeah. Do you know what? I just think... I mean, let's have a look at Fulham's teams, fixtures. Those teams are desperate for points, Ryan. Yeah. They're desperate. But, I mean, Fulham play Arsenal, Chelsea, Burnley, Southampton, Manchester United, Newcastle. So I actually, I think that... That's better, the Fulham. Fulham's slightly better. Mm, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's, yeah. It's not, not, not by a huge amount, but it's marginally mm. better. It's marginally. And um, Fulham have a slightly greater fluidity T and a t- slightly greater and they just ask they ask slightly harder questions of teams in mm. tight games and this is completely anecdotal just the stuff I've watched and this is not me this is no ill will to Newcastle I just don't, I don't that doesn't look that looks like a little bit scary but those, those two teams are like the funny thing about Newcastle and Fulham is what's it Brighton Brighton could this I is don't the thing know. That, I think I, I actually think the bottom three is going to be what it is. Okay. That's my shout. You know, so it's a reasonable, it's a fair shout. It's a fair shout. It's just, it doesn't, Newcastle, is sli- there's a slight anxiety. My breath was still slightly drawn in for them. Believe in Brucey, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, never, no, I've never not believed in him. But, you know. <laughs> no, well, don't say that. Newcastle fans will come after you. They hate, they hate what's going oh, on no. there at the moment. Some oh. of the, I mean, a lot of the people who watch Newcastle every week have obviously said that it's like, some of the worst football they've ever seen. It's the um, lack of ambition, isn't it? But, yeah. yeah. Um, West Ham. Goodness. West Ham have seven games to play in the league this season and they are still in the Champions League spot. When's the last time they finished fourth? They finished fifth in 98-99. Right. 1985-86, they finished third. Oh, extraordinary. Look like Frank McAvenny and like Tony Cotty, I think. Yep, Frank McAvenny was their top top goal scorer that season. Goodness me, yeah. So I mean, anyway, even if they finish fifth, it will be their highest top flight finish since yeah, when Wright was there, ninety eight, ninety nine. That's incredible, incredible. And he was their top it, goal scorer that season. That's that's quite a nice. Uh, that'd be quite a nice symmetry if that happens. I mean, and what they've done this year, and what David Moyes has done specifically. We just have to give credit there. We have to give oh, so much 100%. credit. And it all started when he got Corona and had to Zoom manage. Yeah, you said it. You yeah. called it. I was just <laughs> like, this is, that was their turning point, man. They it all was. of a sudden started, they just clicked into gear and they have kind of been in gear ever since, even with the occasional wobble. I mean, getting help for like Mihal Antonio, Suchek, Lingard, all playing their part and coming in at different points in the season. And just, you know, it's so funny. They've all come in and added mm. momentum at really crucial points. Yeah. Declan Rice as well has been brilliant. Um, just, I don't know, there's something really wholesome about how well they've done. Yeah. And I love it. I love that, you know, what I love about it is it's a very kind of, it's a very kind of 1980s league table as well. Mm. Like, you know, Leicester being up there in the mix just feels quite sort of old school. I don't know. I love that. And I love the fact that it's showing people that with a good management, a bit of enterprise and just leaving people, leaving managers to get on with it. Mm. You can get the results. Uh, lovely goals from West Ham as well. Yes. Jesse Lingard's gorgeous. like half volley side foot. Oh, that was a gorgeous finish. The cushioned side foot from the edge of the box. Lionel Jesse. 
Yellow Jacket. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's... <laughs> um, I mean, Ian Acho again with two goals and both of them were brilliant. The second, the first goal was amazing. The second one I actually think was probably a little bit underhyped. Mm. The left foot volley because it was such a tricky angle and the way that he controlled the finish was so good. Um, I'm really glad that he's finding his form. Oh man, well, his, not form, his, well, his, his form place, is yeah. great at the moment. And I mean, I think Leicester, they're only a point ahead of West Ham. If Leicester drop out of that top four, again this season following this doing a similar thing last season they've got the FA Cup as well as a bit of a not distraction but you know they've got the FA Cup as a factor I mean will it still be it'll still be they'll still be fine with the fifth place right uh what well they'll be happy with the fifth place or I don't know I'd just be interested to see what Leicester fans think if if they don't finish in the Champions League this season after two seasons where they've consistently been in the Champions League spots and then missed out two seasons running do you know what I think it'll be one of those ones where you know, because of course, the better your team does, the more expectations grow. Mm. I feel I need to get Champions League this year because this is a kind of, not a now or never, but this elevates. If you get Champions League this year, the quality of player you can attract. But we said yeah, this before, and also like, they're great at spending money, Leicester. They sign yeah. so well. And they sell with, so well. Yeah, and they sell really well. Yeah, exactly. And they've kind of, I think we've said that, you know, they've, they've actually probably improved even though they haven't won the league since but they've probably improved overall as a squad and and in terms of the player that they've brought in since they won the league yeah you sell well look you sell <clears throat> Mares for like what is it 60 Chilwell for 50 Maguire for 80 <laughs> like unreal then you're just reinvesting and buying absolute blue chip players it's very kind of like Udinese almost Udinese or Porto type vibes um I just feel like Leicester there will be a frustration that they get the Champions League from my point of view because I want to see mm. what player they can attract. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, in terms of a process and in terms of them solidifying themselves as a genuine year-on-year Champions League contender for the Premier League, which is hard right. to do now considering how deep the top sides yeah. go in the Premier League. I do, I, yeah, I do, actually, I think you're right on that front. I think now is, is too good an opportunity to, to miss. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think if you look across Europe at some of the sides who aren't going to get Champions League this season, some of the players who might be available on the cheap. Right. Actually, I think for West Ham and for Leicester, if they both finish in the top four. Incredible incentive. With the money that they have compar- like compared to other leagues. They can pay money, exactly. They can pay good they can pick wages. Up yeah. Extremely good players on the cheap. Right. Because this they have the yeah. Champions League, like having Champions League football and playing in the Premier League and being able to pay wages are three and extremely a kind of attractive, attractive yeah. options to players who may be at sides who they don't really think are going to progress that well or they're not yeah, earning yeah. as much money. There is, there is that there. And I think that's, yeah. I think, it's, you know, it's, it's to their credit, those are now names that agents across Europe, I mean, you know what? I want to go to Leicester instead of going to that other club that's like got a, maybe a bigger name in Europe. I want to go to Leicester. Oh, actually, no. They're, they're almost the kind of like, I don't like, these comparisons don't really fit. So Don't do it then. I won't, I won't. No, but then there's clubs in the Bundesliga where you can go and really develop and be like, mm-hmm. and get a great, they play, they play great football on the front foot. They feel like that now. Leicester and West Ham feel like those Bundesliga teams that are kind of, they're not Bayern or Dortmund, but they're like, you'll get brilliant football there. You get well coached. Well-paid, great lifestyle, and, the, uh, and really, you, yeah, and they're very wealthy comparatively. Yeah, and your career will just kick on. It feels like that now, almost. Mm. 
Yeah, um, exciting. Props to David Moyes. He's doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have, we've saved the maybe the best for last. I think in terms of the, say- well, in terms of the high profile fixture, this was probably the this was probably the most high profile fixture of the weekend. I've. Do you know what? There are very few footballers who give me such pure joy when they're performing at their peak as Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba performing at his level is like, he's like your favourite rapper who drops fewer uh, mixtapes than you'd like. But when he drops, everyone's on, the game, the entire game is on notice. He's That's what Pogba feels. Yeah, he's like, yeah, actually, do you know what? He is because it's easy to forget that he's got like four Serie A trophies mm-hmm. in the cabinet. And a World Cup. And Champions League final. And a, cha- and, a, and, a, and a Champions League final. And a Europa League. Like, because his level, before, because Pogba's expected level is so high because of what he can do. Is that an advanced metric, Musa? Well, he can just take control. Yeah. <laughs> you, just <laughs> dropped a, you just dropped a conceptual advanced metric on us. Yeah, exactly. You can't really manage it. You can't really measure it. It's just a, it's just a vibe. It's, expected, expected levels. Yeah, expected, expected vibes. Expected, expected levels. levels. Expected levels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, United in this game, um, Dislag goal, beautiful, beautiful um, set up by Cavani. Oh, if I poke before for Cavani. Mm. But, you know, it was a high hand. It was a high hand. And it was, I think it was a dreadful decision, personally. I, I don't think it was the best decision, if I put it that way. And it was interesting how the recipient of the, of the dreadful decision then went on to score. Both players have got their hands on each other. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. If Son doesn't reach for McTominay to kind of scrap with him, McTominay's arm doesn't come out to try and push him off. It's a brush at best. I yeah. don't think it's a foul. It's definitely not deliberate. And no. it's definitely not violent conduct or anything like that, obviously, because he wasn't carded for it. They were saying on German Sky that if, they, that if it was a foul for a hand in the face, then he should have been booked and he was, always, he was already on a yellow. Mm. So I think it was Rennie Adler actually on Sky and he was saying, um, yeah, I don't really understand. And this has been a constant theme on German TV in terms of response to a lot of VAR decisions in the Premier League this season. Yeah, they've been bemused by a lot of it. Mourinho's coming out talking about a decision that his side massively benefited from and he's just like, I don't know anymore. And I tweeted it. I was just like, none of us know anything. And I think that's the, that's, that's the massively perplexing thing about VAR is just, not wanting to go VAR dad yelling at cloud, but like when a decision goes to VAR, you actually don't know what the outcome's going to be, really, no. unless it's offside. No, no. Unless it's an offside thing, there's actually, well, to be honest, even then, <laughs> like sometimes, when you're killing the emotional aspect of a game and you're still not getting consistency or accuracy, then it's kind of like... The problem is that all this infrastructure that's been invested in VAR now, I don't see it going back. Yeah, but only at the very, very, very top level. Yeah, yeah. And they're even in the very, very top level, there are some competitions that don't have it. Like in, you know, I mean, in to the be league. honest, I'm, I'm, the wrong, I'm the wrong person to talk about innovation football because I actually loved Golden Goals. I thought they were amazing. I thought Golden Goals were absolutely you amazing. God, big eating energy, that. <laughs> Huge eating energy. The elitist, yeah. One, one goal takes, is so elitist, yes. exactly. Let's quickly talk, wrap, wrap up on the game as a whole because I think it was fair. Yeah, it was very fair. And what a turnaround. I mean, considering that Spurs had blown United away in the last, the previous fixture yeah. in the league. So what a turnaround. And actually a fascinating turnaround in Fortunes again. So that, that result was exactly where those clubs were at that time. And this one is and the same. And this is another yeah. one. It's exactly the same. It's wild mm-hmm. how that goes, isn't it? And, um, you know, full credit to Solskjaer here. 
Full credit to Fred and to Cavani for leading the line beautifully and combining beautifully and to Pogba who basically just took control. Yeah. He took back control. Uh, <laughs> Spurs going a goal up and then just United playing their way and Carl Anker, shout out to him, he made a great point. He just said, look, this build-up play, the way that United played their way back patiently into this game and they got goals from Greenwood, they got goals from Cavani, like it just, and, and Fred following up, Fred making the kind of run that you dream that he makes when you're a deep-lying player that makes the late run into the box to follow up. It's just every part of this architecture was beautiful for United. And there was a joy, there was a real joy in United fans on Twitter afterwards, you know, podcast community, you were like, there's a happiness there because it wasn't just the win. It wasn't just over Mourinho who had mm. not the best thing to say about United. It was the manner of the victory. And it was all the things that United you'd want, you'd dream they would be. Like you have the elder statesman, Cavani taking control, the midfield full of legs and they overrun Spurs because Spurs basically sat deep, but United punished that. And United have struggled against deep line defensive teams, which is what Spurs became as soon as they took the lead. Um, then you have Mason Greenwood, who there's such an excitement about him becoming a forward for them in the long run, a central striker. And Greenwood doing the business late on. So it, all of that is so positive for United and just full credit to Solskjaer there. Like there's nothing else to really, you know, you look at Solskjaer and Moyes and the greatest compliment I can pay is this. It's hard to imagine managers coming in with those specific players in those squads and doing a, a better, it's hard to imagine many managers doing a much better job than that mm -hmm. with what, with the specific pieces they had. I could name maybe five managers that would go into those clubs that you might think that manager could maybe have done slightly more of those pieces, but it's not a big list, actually. Mm. That is credit to Solskjaer and that's credit to Moyes. And I, I want to say those things because those are managers that we've criticised, I've criticised before and, you know, not unfairly, but I think also when credit is due, it's absolutely due to both of them. Really impressed by that. Yeah, I agree. Really impressed. Uh, before we move on, NWSL Challenge Cup began this weekend. Uh, there were four uh, red cards in the Portland-Kansas City game as a, as a brawl kind of erupted at the end of the game. Big hockey energy. Simone Charlie received a straight <laughs> red for a tackle. She'd already been booked earlier in the game. She misses the next game. Mark Parsons was sent off, the Portland coach, for arguing. And then a minute later, a fight almost broke out. Kristen Edmonds and, and Morgan Weaver basically just started pushing each other. But then everyone basically came in and, and it all kicked off. And uh... Isn't it funny how some teams, there are some games where like everyone wants to... Sm like, okay, here's, here's another question. because We've discussed this before about like chaos, mm. right? How many players it take for chaos mm. in a team? Mm. But in the context of a brawl, how many people, and I don't just mean players, how many individuals in both organisations have to want the smoke for a brawl? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm interested in this, the Stato community. I know you listen to great listeners. Who, how many individuals does it take within two organisations to want the smoke? How many have to want the smoke for it to turn into a brawl? I'm interested in that. I'm very interested in that and the metrics on that and the numbers. So number crunches in the stats community, I'm interested. Is it four? Is it five? What's the configuration? Is it two on the field, one off the field? There's always a player, you know, we, we knew that Mourinho liked having those characters. There was always someone in the, in the coaching staff. If you actually, you know what we did? If we do a breakdown of all the brawls that have broken out in football at all levels, and if we look at the composition of who's involved in the brawls, I think we'll find common threads. And I think we'll find that the third person in a brawl, as in 
the, the first person onto the scene to fight is very often a non-playing member of staff yeah. or someone that has minimal minutes, someone that has less than like half an hour on average playing time. Who was, who was Mourinho's assistant? Rui Farrier. Yeah, he was always involved. <laughs> always involved. Exactly. There's always someone in, in, who's in there like that. Yeah. Um, Racing Louisville made their debut in the, in, well, in the, in the NWSL, drawing two all with Orlando Pride, which was a good result. I think last minute equaliser from Brooke Hendricks. The Courage beat the Washington Spirit 3-2. However, the main story of this game was Trinity Rodman scoring yes. her first goal in her debut for Washington Spirit after, after just coming Some on, player. basically. Some player as well. Gorgeous goal there. It's a lovely goal. The touch for yeah. it reminded yeah. me of Messi's goal against Nigeria. Over yes. the shoulder, on the thigh. Take it on the run, just, on the run. And yeah. it just dropped perfectly in her place. The run takes you yeah. away when the touch takes you away. Yeah. Well, she was kind of it's... running direct at goal, whereas obviously Messi was moving away from goal. But the way that it came over her shoulder and she just cushioned it on her thigh and then it fell down and then like side foot at home was lovely. It's um, still one of those ones where afterwards the defender's like, I actually couldn't have done better. You know, like, mm. again, with, as with the Messi goal, you look at that and go, the defender did nothing wrong because the, the moment never came for the intervention. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Very yeah, cool. only first round of games, Courage are top of the East and the Thorns are top of the West. OL Reign and Gotham FC, the re- newly rebranded Gotham FC. Yeah. Didn't play this weekend. So, yeah, Challenge Cup is back. All right, before we go, let's do the Bundesliga quick. Schalke won. Schalke won their second game of the season. They beat Augsburg 1 0. And that was pretty much all you needed to know about that game. <laughs> Sweat said uh, one of Schalke's best players opened the scoring really early on after, actually after four minutes and they managed they better, to they better, like, they better um, tie that guy down to a contract because he is going to be picked off nah he'll go I think I, I can't imagine him being there next yeah, season yeah. especially yeah. if they're in the Schweizer Bundesliga excellent player for those who haven't seen him in action really yeah. fine player uh, Mainz-Cologne was a good game it was kind of wild Mainz beat Cologne uh, 3-2 in Cologne cost Marcus Gisdol his job Cologne parted ways with him he's been replaced with Friedhelm Funkel returning to Cologne yeah, managed them in the early 2000s for a bit. His previous gig was at Fortuna, Düsseldorf. So he's taken over immediately. Um, it's a shame for Gisdol, but the results have been poor and I think that this has been in Cologne's mind for a little while now. They've been waiting to, to kind of um, put this through. Bayern drew with Union 1-1 at home. Injury to Kingsley Coman, which Salah Hamazic looked really pissed off about and understandably so. It looked quite bad. Useful player for them, Coman as well. Yeah, it was a good point for Union. They played one more game. We're recording this ahead of Leverkusen's game tonight against uh, Hoffenheim. Uh, but the way Leverkusen are playing at the moment, I wouldn't guarantee that that's a, that's a victory for them. So Union keep pace on the European spot. You said two years ago, Union coming up, they get a point to Bayern. Yeah. It was calm. That would be, un- that's an unbelievable result. Yeah. I think the, the thing is, we, because there aren't fans in the stadium, we're not fully, mm. the chatter about the, around the games isn't, there's not a sort of proper conversation about just how remarkable this Union season is. Oh, yeah. The way that Union has stayed up, it's not even like the fact they've stayed up so comfortably. I mean, they've got like lower incomes than some teams in the Zweiter Bundesliga. Oh, a lot, I imagine. Some, yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. he's doing an unbelievable, OG, amazing, an unbelievable job. job at Union on and, and on and off the field. Yeah, actually, good dude, good dude. community building, amazing. Yeah, yeah. really respect that. Yeah, so Leipzig beat Bre- uh, Werder Bremen four one in Bremen uh, to Light close work. the gap. Five points at the top of the league, six games to go. I think it's out of sight, but you never, never know. That yeah. was a nice little rhyme. <laughs> You're good MC like that. You're good with that. Thanks, stuff. man. Hertha drew two all with Gladbach in Berlin on Saturday. 
keeps them game. just above the relegation playoff. They're picking up points here to here and there, which is good because they're they're dangerously close. They're only um, out of the relegation playoff spot on goal difference. It was a thriller in Frankfurt, four three uh, between Eintracht and, and Wolfsburg. Yeah, Eric Derm's little like scuffed kind of like shot uh, won the game for Eintracht. Well, they were four two up at that point and then conceding the known goal towards the end. Yeah. Goals, goals, goals. Luka Jovic got a lovely goal actually in this game. And Andre Silva did as well. Like he they He's the, been in great. Those guys are playing yeah. great. Like And they're enjoying themselves. I think that they have a good off field mm. chemistry. It must be because they've clicked so well. Mm. Final game that we want to talk Highlight, about. Though. Highlight. Borussia Dortmund beat Stuttgart, three two in Stuttgart. After going one nil down. It's a really good win. It is a really good win because remember the reverse fixture, they got absolutely hammered at home and it cost Favre's job. Yeah. Jude Bellingham equalised for Dortmund on a Gio Reyna assist. I'm happy for Gio Reyna because he's not been playing that well recently. And understand, I mean, he's just hit that little bit of a rookie wall. We've mentioned it before, but Jude Bellingham's first Bundesliga goal and off the back of what has been a very impressive week for Jude Bellingham in terms of performances, he continues just to kind of show no fear and he's the real deal, man. He's the absolute real deal, Jude Bellingham. Um, Glorious change of direction for him again. Yeah. Marco Royce scored another lovely goal after his goal in midweek. And then he was assisted by Matthew Mori, who then decided to uh, play an absolute howler over like a square pass for the Didavi goal. But Ansgar Knauf a lovely got finish. the winner with a beautiful goal. Fast feet. Assisted by Erling Braut Holland, which I was going to say earlier on in the, like I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, has been playing pretty well and com- combining really well and looks genuinely overjoyed whenever anyone else scores. Portland. Yeah, I love it. For such a, uh, you know, an alpha kind of striker, he's, he's, he's such a team player, man. The training ground must be a fun place to be there because you've got so many ballers in there. Mm. Like, you know, young ballers who are like, like the quality of the football must be a delight mm. if you think about it because you've got players coming to their own creatively. You've got like four or five playmakers at any one point in that squad that could take over a match. Yeah at an elite level, like at an elite, at a truly like Champions League quarterfinal, you've got any one of five players in the Dortmund team that could like just run it for 20 minutes. Mm. That's quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, it was a big win. Fun place to work. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a good win for Dortmund that because Stuttgart are not, a, you know, Stuttgart have really impressed this season. Yeah. Not an easy team to play against. And um, yeah, I think after the week they've had, obviously losing to Eintracht last weekend was a, was a big blow in terms of the Champions League race. There would have been a point behind the Champions League spots if they'd won that game. Yeah. Obviously, losing to City in week in the in the week wasn't the worst result, and they played really well. So I just think it was it's just important. To, it's really big for Dortmund to just keep pace. Like you never know. I mean, I think Europa League this season with everything they've been through, with everything they've been through. I mean, in terms of managerial change and stuff like that, and a, you know a number of injuries. I think um, it's not dreadful. One season out, I'm. I, I'd be interested to see how it affects player sales and stuff like that. But yeah, I think this season, if you look around, like you look at the Premier League, for example, and you look at you know what might potentially happen in France and Italy, there are a lot of clubs who are, who are used to a certain level of success who are going to be extremely disappointed this season. I just hope that clubs are sensible in terms of compartmentalising achievements this season. The season yeah. What it is, yeah, yeah. And then they've got a new manager coming in next season, and hopefully. You know, they will, that will kind of turbocharge them a little bit. But uh, yeah, good win for Dortmund. Elsewhere, finally, uh, you know, I mentioned Highest Foul last week going 3 0 up and then 
drawing three all. Yeah. They lost 2-1 yeah. to Darmstadt at home on Friday. Oh, goodness. Greater foot have a game in hand. If they win that, they go above Hamburg into second. Mm. Holstein Kiel still have two games in hand. If they win both, they go two points above. So if Kiel win both games in hand, which is tricky because their fixture pile up at the moment is getting big because they've been in quarantine for corona cases. There are a number of sides in the Schweizer Bundesliga who are in quarantine at the moment for corona stuff. So there's going to be a similar situation to what happened last season with Dinamo Dresden and other sides throughout the, the, the leagues is that there's, it's creating a huge backlog of fixtures to the point awesome, where I think yeah. they might have to set up some kind of bubble. But yeah, keep, I do recommend keeping an eye on the Schweizer Bundesliga. It's, a, it's just a, a, it's a really fun league to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's roll. Let's do it. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Don't forget, write his house. You're on with Jeanette. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Yep, yep. Staying safe if you can't. And even if you can. I'm playing out this episode on Take No Michi by Dream Dolphin. Uh, it's out on a really good comp. I say no Otto, Japanese left field pop from the CD age. It's out on Music from Memory. Brilliant, brilliant label out of Amsterdam. Yeah, don't forget you can check us on Twitter at Stadio, on Instagram at Stadio Football. Check stadio.football and also check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. I think that's everything, Musa. Anything else you want to add? I've got a book coming out on Thursday. One of them. Yeah, which we will plug on Thursday. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> Musa's monthly book release. <laughs> uh, stay safe, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Thursday. Take care.